Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Catcher's Corner. Uh, I'm Eric Samolski, joined as always by my co-host Sammy Ackley. Uh, I know how this is going to go, Sammy, but how are you doing, dude? I'm I'm done. I'm literally done. It's you like April first, and like I I have no answers. Legit, like I've got story, I've got Tatis and Alonso that can't do anything, and like Kenta Maeda completely destroys. A great pitching performance by Trevor Rogers today. I'm done. Yes, you it's, you it's went never. through, you went through the fantasy baseball roller coaster of watching Trevor Rogers shove and then immediately watching Kenta Maeda dissolve and, into a disaster. I actually have to admit, like even though it's April 21st, right, and we're still early on, I, I will swallow my medicine. You're right. Sixto Sanchez is probably the fourth best pitcher on his team, right? Trevor Rogers is amazing. He's, like, dude. We talked about this. He reminds me of Randy Johnson mechanically. Like he, that's what he reminds me of, like yeah. a, a younger, like improved version of Randy Johnson at this age. Like it's pretty good. I love that you said improved version of Randy Johnson. That's not oh, hyperbolic not at I mean, all. You know what I mean? I, I, <laughs> at this at this stage of his career, sure. At at the early stage of his right. career. Well, right. you know, Sammy, we were talking about this before we started, but you know that it's the tried and true method. If if things aren't going well for your fantasy team. If you just turn the game off, it right. just magically it magically gets better when you it's stop really watching. It's the most nonsensical thing, right? Like, oh, if I turn this off, maybe he'll he'll start getting outs. No, that it doesn't work that way. We yeah. it, it doesn't ever happen. I I do that. I if I'm watching and things go well, and then I change the channel and change back, and things yeah. don't go well, then yeah. I have to change the channel and change back again. So that you go, got to get the good juju working. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And us as former uh, people who played think that actually works every single time. It doesn't. Always, it will always work. Yeah. Uh, so we've got our we've got our first catcher's corner guest, um, and we we shot for the stars early on. Um, so we're gonna welcome Greg Jewett from the Athletic. Greg, how are you doing? Uh, I am well, Eric. Nice to meet you, Sammy. And, and that's far too kind of an introduction, but thank you. Nice we're, to meet you. We're, too. We're excited to have you on. Before uh, we get into it, Greg, do you want to just tell everybody, you know, where they can find your stuff, what you what you cover, what your you know your main take is on fantasy? Uh, well, let's see. If you ask me, it's not too bad. But my poor girlfriend, <laughs> uh, who I, I had asked to get off of her watching her show here, and she went upstairs. Uh, I, I do. I work for uh, Fantasy Alarm. I do some DFS stuff for them. Uh, the hitting coach was up today. Uh, I do a behind the breakout segment once a week and then like a streaks and trends things, trying to identify hitters. Uh, those come out on Fridays. Uh, and then obviously um, from your intro, I, I cover closers for the athletic. Uh, I run my own closer chart that uh, that I've kept, you know, free on the Internet through the years. Uh, this year seems to be getting a lot more hits, obviously, with the exposure to the athletic. So I have to thank yeah. Nando for that. And then uh I also run my own newsletter called Coffee and Closers. Uh, that's on Substack. Again, that's also a free sub. The only bad thing about Substack is, is it's compressed. So uh, I get the, you're nearing the end of your email limit a lot, but I, I press it to the limit as far as I can. It's, the hard part is when you add in all of the, the pitching gifts and those things. But yes, yeah. it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind of a year and uh, hopefully keeping the momentum going. So, and, and did I pick a year to start writing for, about closers with the athletic it's been a specialty of mine through through the years but uh, i can't think of a you know sammy's going on this rant i can't think of a more tumultuous time to be covering bullpens 
what a what a dumpster fire! Like the entire, <laughs> like I can't remember a year where like so we've been in this league for like I've been in this league for like over ten years, and and Eric has been around for like three or four, and I can't remember a year where just like waiver wire money and just mm-hmm. trying to get a closer like a legit closer in a trade is so expensive because of just the landscape has been just turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw somebody, whether it was uh, Vlad Sedler or um, or Toby saying they got their first save in the main event today when Crichton got the suspended game save. I mean, it's just yeah. been it's just been a wild, wild year. Yeah. And, and it's April. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sammy and I were Sammy and I were joking. I'm, my strategy is always, you know, I'm going to lock in a surefire closer and then I'll take a bunch of, you know, gambles later on. And I was super excited coming out of the draft that Sammy and I did. I locked in Trevor Rosenthal. I was feeling great about it. Um, and then opening day, you know, I'm sitting, mm-hmm. I'm sitting at school. It's my lunch break. I'm going to pull up, you know, the first game of the day. I'm going to get up on MLB TV and watch it. And then I look at the news and Trevor Rosenthal's already on the IL. And I was like, oh, okay, so I'm doing the streaming back, dance. Well, back the to the spec saves. Yeah, yeah, spec saves dance early on. It's just, it's just been, it's just been so weird. Um, so before we dive fully into the bullpens, Greg, I, I did want to ask you something because, so you are also a teacher, correct? Yes, I teach phys ed at a at a private school up here in Syracuse. Oh, that's and awesome. you, and, and it's as you said that about Rosenthal, I remember that day I was I sat down for. Uh, I think it was either lunch or a free period. And I kicked my feet up for a minute because it's just like, you know, the first day of the hybrid schedule was just goofy. And then, and then you know, with the with the baseball and everything, and I look and, and the Rosenthal thing happened. I had like 20 hits on Twitter going, what do we do now? And I was like, <laughs> oh, my dear goodness. So, yeah, yeah it's it, it's been like that pretty much almost I, every week here. But I can imagine. Yeah. You, yes. You, uh, teaching phys ed. So eighth graders and juniors and seniors. So, so Sammy and I were having this conversation um, about kind of, you know, the future of baseball. Obviously, you know, it started when they announced the potential rule changes and the moving the mound back and, you know, all this sort of stuff they're doing to try to, um, I guess, make the game shorter, make the game livelier. Do you get a sense from your kids that that kids are currently watching baseball or has it kind of fallen by the wayside? Um, I've been pleasantly surprised because uh, there's a groundswell of kids who know that I do this now. So they'll ask me questions in the hallway, which is always fun. Um, the, so uh, it, it's coming around. My 19 my year old um, obviously grew up with me. So um, he played baseball until COVID took his senior year of high school. But um, he, you know, I share the MLB package with him and um he hasn't he doesn't do the fantasy aspect of it yet, but he he understands and he he'll pick game to game. He, the, I think what baseball really needs to understand is this age group locks on the players. Right. Um, like my son's a big you know he loves hockey. He would go from player to player based on you know who fit his style or who he liked to watch, and that's right. where he would concentrate. And I think baseball needs to do a better job selling personalities and you know to. You can say let the kids play and then suspend Castillos for playing. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to really embrace this, I think baseball and and like the spring training games when they have the guys wearing the mics, I think they need to do more of that stuff. Right. right. You, you yeah. need to give people insight into what's going on yeah. during the games. Let them see their personality 
and they, and that's how you're going to really grow it. I guess I guess viewership's up this year. I'm sure COVID still helps yeah. that. Um, but they, they need to cash in. I mean, not enough people know about Mike Trout, which is unbelievable to say. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we were talking about that over the over the spring too. You know, Sam and I were trying to watch a particular guy, and it's just impossible to to find, you know, content. And you know, now it's easier the regular season. But like, you know, I've been a basketball and NBA fan for most of my life. I, I think the product right now in the NBA is terrible. But mm -hmm. people want to watch it because they market those stars and everybody knows who those guys are and everybody wants to turn in to watch Steph Curry do Steph Curry things. Yeah, I definitely definitely what Greg's saying about like the the mic is definitely important because the game is just uh it, it you know naturally slower than most than most of the sports out there, right? It's the only game where the defense controls the ball. So the game is inherently slower. So they need something to fill in that dead space of time. So yeah. that that mic idea would be great. And you talked about it, Sammy, before, where it's just like, instead of trying to change the game totally and go really? away from the fact that it's a slow game, go away from the fact that it doesn't have a time limit, you know, try to make the most of those things. Right, and try embrace to that. We just came out of COVID. Like, come out to the game, chill for a couple hours, have a dog, have a beer with your boys. Like, embrace that aspect of it. Not everything has to be in your face you know, hundred miles an hour every minute, like, you know, embrace that, that naturalness of the game. Yeah. You know? um, all right. So let's, let's do, let's dive in for what we brought Greg here to do and talk about some, some closers and some bullpens. Um, so before we get into um, specific situations, you know, you mentioned uh, Greg, what a year to start kind of covering closures for the athletic. Do you think that this is a, response to last year's shortened season and we're watching workloads so there's a lot of guys getting saves or do you think that this is continuing the trend we've seen and this is the new normal with bullpens i think it's almost a, a convergence of both of those uh, pools of thought the the analytical teams are leaning into i want my best reliever at the highest levered moment um, and we saw that in Seattle the other night when Kendall Graveman came in and, and got five straight outs against the Dodgers to keep that game in check. And then we went on the Montero roller coaster in the ninth inning, but he held on for the save. Yeah. Um, but but they understood that the that the moment the game was going to be won was in the seventh inning when Graveman came in. And, and we're seeing more and more teams do this. And, you know, like we thought Oakland was going to turn it over to Chavino, and he did get the first two saves. And then the other night – they flipped the script because they needed Trevino to face a couple of those guys and they had lefties coming up in the ninth inning and they saved Deekman for them. So, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, Deekman's taken over for saves. However, we more than any other year, we need to understand that. Um, and that's why I keep trying to change some of the some of the wording and verbiage in in my closer charts, even because, you know, people get confused. Because, you know, everyone wants to know who's the closer. And now it's almost like who's the primary saves guy. Okay. Yeah. So if everything goes right, that's the person they want there. That, so that's Graveman. Mm -hmm. But if they need him somewhere else, you know, he, he's the guy. So um, even like Cleveland, Clase is doing fantastic. And I wrote about him luckily ahead of the curve and, and people mm -hmm. are benefiting from it. I got lucky there and we'll take it. But, um, you know, he, that's still probably Clase 
Karinchak's probably going to get 25% of the saves and you're still going to get 10% of like a Wickgren or a Brian Shaw on a day off or, or who knows what happens. So the, the days of a hundred percent save share is, is probably going by the wayside. Right. Um, even though Milwaukee's adjusting Hader into that kind of a role, um, it almost burned up again today in San Diego because uh, they had a hard time getting to him. And, and you know, even, and, and Kenley Jansen, um, you know, they're managing his workloads very closely. So he's only gone back to back once this year, but he's still got four saves. So, I mean, yeah. you can get 30 saves and they're not going to run them into the ground. You know, you're not going to be seeing guys going three out of every four days and a lot of back to backs and things of that nature. And we just have to plan on that as, as a fantasy community and, and be willing to adjust. So how does that affect really like moving forward in terms of, let's say if somebody were to try to set up a fantasy league, right? Like, should they be focusing exclusively on the saves category or should they be doing some kind of new, new cat, which is like maybe, you know, not new cat, but you know, transitioning the saves versus holds or whatever. Is that saves category now just like kind of like obsolete? It's, it's never going to be obsolete. And you know, the, the old, the old school is going to always want it in there. Right. Um, what what I think is is possible, and and Solds is kind of goofy too at times because right. they're they're so, you know, a guy can give up three runs and get a hold because he gets a he you know somebody comes in and saves his bacon, but he right. still gets those runs charged to him. Uh, I, I saw an interesting poll. I think uh, Michael Simeone, uh, SP streamer, put it out, and and I voted for saves plus zero point five holds. That would be how I – so, like, you get one for a save and then you get a half point for a hold, so almost like half PPR. If like you build that. in something like that, but I don't know if websites would ever be willing right. to offer something of that ilk and if they can set up the computers to do those things, I, I think that hybrid would almost be the best way to do it. Uh, in an old home league where we used to do head-to-head, um, I used to have it with solds, but I also had um, K minus B. B is one of the things, so – not you, you, you wanted a guy that, you know, could get holds, but you also wanted a guy that got strikeouts without right. walks. So you're, you're looking for elite relievers regardless of being the closer or not. So unless we do something like that and juggle things, you know, there's always the OBP versus batting average things, right. you know, why isn't there like a K minus BB percentage or something of that ilk. So we're not just looking for strikeout amounts. We're looking for strikeouts without the walks that, that really, keys you into what an elite reliever is right right. yeah and strikeout minus walk ratio is you know a great indicator of as you were talking about just of a successful pitcher and one of you know the metrics to stabilize quickly and kind of suggest uh you know performance in the future so i I would love leagues to use that more and i love that half that half hold league idea as well um so sammy just to wrap up greg's point before before we move into specific guys if if we are adjusting as greg was saying to the new normal and you have a guy like Kendall Graveman, who's probably the best reliever on the Mariners. They're not a phenomenal team, so it's not like you know they're going to be. Um, he's going to get a high save total, and we know he's sharing the job. Are you trying to hold on to a guy like that, or are you trying to say I'm going to wait till he gets two or three saves, and somebody thinks he's the guy, and then I'm going to trade him, try and get some value out of it because I know there's going to be another Kendall Graveman on the wire who's going to get six, seven, eight saves. I, I mean, there's so many different factors. Like, like, what's what's on the wire? That's number one. Situationally, what's on the wire? Like, what am I going to pay 
to battle out these other owners that are trying to, you know, implement maybe the same strategy. Um, and what we've noticed is that it's like a free for all out there right now. Like we've got guys spending huge amounts of their waiver wire cash, picking up whoever got the save last night. So like, it's like, you know, it's just, there's a lot of factors that goes into how, what I would do with a Kendall Graveman. You know, for me, I probably would, knowing the fact that, you know, he may be the primary shareholder, I would probably hold and not get myself involved and start, you know, spurging money that, that is really going to go to waste. And, and Greg, you think we'll be doing this dance all year? Uh, with, with a few teams. I think things are starting to settle in, which helps. Um, so people are getting their legs under them and roles are starting to get defined. But there's other teams that like Detroit where they're, they're remaining adamant. And we're going to talk about another team later on. So I'm not going to spoil it here. So that'll be the teaser alert. Um, there's teams that are just, they're saying we're, we're not going to name a closer. And, yeah. and, and it's just, we're going with the, what we see is the highest leverage thing, whether it's a, a pregame set plan or how they're going to attack a team in that particular matchup. And, you know, say Oakland says, all right, we're saving uh, Deakman no matter when Yelich is coming up after the seventh inning, you know, and, and yeah. that's sort of a matchup. So that that's what we have to really, that's what we're really watching the next couple of weeks. Once we get like a month under us, then we, we kind of have a better idea, but we're, we're still in the evolving phase of all this. And I agree with what both of you are saying. I think we just as fantasy managers need to be okay with like, if I have a guy who's a secondary shareholder of the job and he's going to get a few saves, but not 30 that I'm used to or 20 something that I'm used to, but he helps me. Those are still valuable guys. And, you know, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily need to be chasing you know, that primary option because there may not be one. Um, and that'll transition us into a primary option who maybe won't be one for the full length of the season, um, but is currently uh, pitching incredibly well and is the closer for the Texas Rangers at the moment. Um, Sammy, what do, what do you think of Ian Kennedy when you watch him pitch? I mean, I remember when he first came up as a Yankee, uh, and, like, I can't believe he's still lasted this long, to be honest. So, like, every time I see him, I keep thinking, is this the end? But, you know, he just continues to be here. Um, I just – I don't – my question is, you know, I don't see anybody else in that bullpen kind of stepping up to take that role. He's had that role before. He's closed before on other teams. So, I mean, it. I don't think he's losing it right now obviously but you know i don't see anybody coming up you know you're, you're talking about joey rodriguez but i mean you know if they're looking at someone who's had experience in the role uh this would be the guy and, and you told me he's, you know, his velo's up um so i don't i don't think he's losing it now but i mean you know obviously it's ian kennedy so anything can happen so so greg you think i mean sammy already mentioned joey rodriguez we know there's demarcus evans is there any challenger to kennedy or is it his job until they trade him uh texas is very interesting and seeing what they're going to do um i think they're like in transition of a rebuild and kind of wanting to compete uh so how how they handle all this and ian kennedy as the reason he's there is because of his ties with chris young uh, they were former teammates with him being the general manager. That's why he agreed to come there. Okay. And, and I remember reading an early report uh, 
you know, doing the, doing the coffee and closers. I'm reading like the beat writer stuff every day. And there was one where it said, Hey, you know, he came here with the off chance that he might have a path to saves. And, and that's why he agreed to the contract with Texas along with his friendship with young. And, and so and he, he dumb lucked into it with everything that happened, uh, the injuries and everything else. Uh, Joel is interesting. He did face the highest leverage uh, angel uh, angels, the, the night before uh, last night, you know, he was against Otani and Trout and Upton and then Kennedy came in and got the save after him. Yeah. Um, but again, he's the ninth inning guy as of now, but uh, we just want to watch and see if, if they do play a team where that, that script is flipped and maybe those guys were going to be projected for the ninth inning, if they would use Kennedy ahead and put Rodriguez there. Now he's only made three appearances, so it's very, very early in this. Uh, so there, I think that's going to be something that evolves. So, so Kennedy has a little, little, uh, that's a way he's got some runway, but yeah. um, he's on his heels. Evans with that lat, there's been, it's been radio silence. There's been no reports on him throwing or anything. It's very strange. So that might be something where it takes him and he's a big guy or a bigger guy, like six, four. So it might take time for him to get his mechanics ironed out when he finally is at full health to even get ready to roll. So we'll see what happens with the Rangers. And they, they stole another game today from the Angels, and we'll see what goes. But um, I, it's still Kennedy for now, but I'm definitely watching Joelle and how they handle him going forward. Yeah, I, and I like the upside of Joelle. I, I will say, you know, I think Kennedy uh, Kennedy has looked good this year. The VLO is back up above 94. You know, he's touching It is, but not on back-to-back nights. It dips. Right. Yeah, that's and, and but, that's but he's older. Thing. Well, I mean, that's to be expected. Yeah, right. And and that's an important thing to keep in mind. And that that VLO dip, I think, is also connected to you know. Right now, he's thrown the four seamer seventy nine percent of the time. Um, the pitch that he used to throw the second most is the cutter. He hasn't thrown a single cutter this year, so that seems to be gone. Which means he's basically fastball changeup curve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the changeup has been good for him in the past. The curve hasn't. So if, you know, we take what Greg's saying about the velo dipping in back-to-backs and he's losing the velo on the fastball and then only has one, has the changeup to fall back on, you know, there may be some rough, there may be some rough nights in there. Yeah. Um, But that's the, you know, that's the Ian Kennedy experience a little bit. Mm -hmm. Another of my favorite closers um, coming into the season. Your man crush. My man crush. Your man crush. He, he is. Listen, I got called out in Rotoballer articles for being obsessed with him, and I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll own it. Um, so I am obsessed with Lucas Sims. Um, and before we dive into how he's throwing this year, um, Greg, can you can you make sense of the Cincinnati bullpen situation at all? Uh, that's a that's a hard no. Yeah. Another another writer who's had me on his podcast before asked me to put like uh, it was his idea to add that confidence rating to my closer charts. Right, right. So I went through it and, and uh, Cincinnati has a two, which means basically the Chris Farley gift. No idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do on a night to night basis. It, you know, this going to come out of left field. But we'll watch by the end of the week, Sean Dulo is going to get a save and we're all going to be pulling our hair out. Um, Cause he did work in the ninth inning. Uh, the, the ones after everybody went through now uh, Sims had the bad luck of trying to pitch through a torrential rainstorm um, yeah. and his doing the human rain delay was fantastic, but I love that. It, yeah. it doesn't help his fantasy owners, but 
he, he did what he had to do to get that gain stop, which was ridiculous. They sh- he, he should not have had to work in those uh, those conditions. Uh, but they've been using Garrett more and more in the eighth. He got the two saves early, but his ERA is still in the in the 13s, I believe. Um, he hasn't looked nearly as dominant. He came out in spring with those nine strikeouts against nine straight batters, and everyone was like, oh, my God, Amir's the guy. And he did the interview with Pitching Ninja, and everybody was on board. Well, he, definitely uh, fooled, he definitely fooled me with that. It's my <laughs> job. That, yeah, and, and, and you dig it, but it's, you know – here and people forget about this. The David Johnson, the pitching coach in Cincinnati, was in Milwaukee the year when Hader, Knable, and um, Jeremy Jeffress all had 15 or more saves. Now, a part of that was an injury to Knable, but that was the year everybody wanted Hader to be the closer, and they kept using Jeffress as well. And they they would use the leverage situations based on lefty righty matchups, mm-hmm. which one would get the save and which one would work as the setup guy. So this is the pot, this is the same guy that's now in Cincinnati. So anybody who thinks that they can predict who's going to get the saves in this bullpen, uh, I, I think you're lying. So um, yeah. I, could could Sims end up with the most saves in this bullpen? Sure. Could Garrett? Sure. Maybe. Doolittle? I doubt it. Right. Um, could could Jose De Leon get a save? Sure. Is T.J. Antone going to get a two inning save? Yes. So. You just have to enter eyes wide open and say, I understand what's going to happen here. And if I get 10 saves out of this guy, then I'm, I'm sitting pretty. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, that was part of the reason I backed Lucas Sims earlier. I was getting shares is the idea of I, I thought they were going to split by handedness. And mm-hmm. I just assumed that, you know, if, if Garrett was facing lefties at other points in time, that Sims, you know, might run into more saves. Um, and then, it, you know, Listen, it hasn't hurt Sims's case that Garrett is. He also just hasn't looked effective, even though the results aren't there. The slider doesn't have the same bite that it it was showing in the spring training. And again, well, we know and he missed time early. due to an injury. We don't know that right. he's one hundred percent healthy. Right. Yeah, and and he always had some some split issues against right-handed batters, which people were saying may have got in the way of his closing chances. Um, and in that one of the outings over the weekend where he actually gave up no runs. Um, it was bases loaded, no out, and he got a line drive to first base that Joey Votto made a diving play on and turned into a triple play, which <laughs> could have very easily been a bases clearing exactly. double or triple. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're taking an ERA, which is already 12.46, and you're ballooning it up even higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Sims, Sims has three pitches that he can go to, the fastball, the slider, uh, the curve. He's another guy that went to that super short arm circle, which I think is only adds to the deception. It's really hard to pick up uh, the ball coming out of the hand when it goes from glove to release as quickly as it does. Um, so the fastball has a little more giddy up onto it, um, and it also makes it harder to differentiate between the curve and the slider, which, you know, he throws that tight uh, slider that's a little bit more like, you know, Mally throws that hard cutter. Uh, so I think it's a mess. Uh, as you said, Greg, but you know, they, the offense seems to be good. And I think maybe, you know, they're going to get enough saves that we need to try to wade into those sewer waters and, well, and figure out who the guy is. See, it's funny you mentioned that about the offense because that offense sometimes stifles saves because they're up by four or five runs. Right. So, you know, it, 
a lot mm-hmm. of times the goofy thing with the with these saves totals are is you get guys on teams who can't score, they're always in close games, and then they're racking them all up. Remember, like that year Shane Green got all those saves in the first half of the season with the Tigers when they weren't a good team, but they were always playing one, two run games. So he was getting all kinds of run. Right. It's right. it's it's just such a silly game at times. You get punished with a good offense. <laughs> You know, it's like crap. Um, if I had to pick one in that bullpen, I actually agree with you. I mean, it, Sims Sims is 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 probably the the most equipped arm to get saves. Uh, I would just like to see them do it more. I think they're turning that way. The way they've used Garrett the last couple of times, he's been in the seventh and eighth innings. So uh, the tide may be turning towards Sims. We would just like to see him get that opportunity and, and run with it if that's handed to him. Um, but again, we, we can't count out Antone getting those multi-inning ones and other stuff, but it is what it is. I mean, didn't Lucas Sims start last year too? Like he, he was a starting pitcher at one point, right? Yeah. Like, so wouldn't he be, they, he they transitioned him to the bullpen last year and right. it worked out well for him, but right. yeah, that's, but he, he's, he's, capable, that all the time. he's capable of doing the multi-inning save bit, you know? Oh, like, he could too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. In the same way that Antone can. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell, Greg, you've done enough of these podcasts. There's a perfect segue talking about bad teams that lead to, to lots of save totals uh, because the next guy we're going to talk about is 36-year-old fireballer with his 86-mile-an-hour fastball, Cesar Valdez, uh, and his four saves right now for the Orioles. Not only four saves, but he has a .96 ERA um, across 9.1 innings. Uh, so far on the season, Sammy, are you buying into Cesar Valdez? Dude, so this is very interesting because my brother was advocating to pick him up off the wire. And then when I did some digging on him, I was like, uh, there's no way this guy lasts. This guy's been like, what, overseas in Japan? He's been in Mexico. He's been like, yeah, Mexico. That's my favorite Mexican independent baseball. Right. That's He's awesome. been in so many. Right. And then when I did some more digging, like I was like, wait, this guy doesn't throw with any velocity. Like, so wait, so the one of the one things that we look for in closers is to have some velo, right? But then I read something else that was pretty interesting. Was him talking about his changeup and how he's able to manipulate that pitch in so many different ways. He's able to cut it, he's able to dive it. Mm-hmm. He talked about like being able to do all this, and I was like, is he really using one pitch? And turning into three other pitches, and that could possibly work. Uh, but it's the history, it's really like the stigma of like seeing somebody with that kind of background to say, Oh, did he just now find his changeup and decide that oh, he's gonna be an elite closer? I I I don't know if that you know makes me put both feet in, you know, it kind of scares me a little bit. Um, and, and it's and it's Baltimore, so the the opportunities uh, aren't going to be as 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 plentiful as uh, you would want. So you know those two things kind of scare me off a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's 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 just funny because you know Statcast only tells us changeup. However, when he his four out save last night where he struck out three people with seven whiffs of eleven swings against, <laughs> fourteen of his sixteen pitches were some iteration of that changeup. Changeup, right. Um, and the Marlins couldn't hit them. They looked like the they looked like the Bugs Bunny thing where they're swinging three times before the ball crossed home. Now again, you know we know there's some weak parts in that Marlins um, right. batting order that has swing and miss to it. But you know I, I 
I try and run uh, the standard gains points uh, in my closer charts to just to give me an idea of where people are. Uh, and using that formula that I have in there, he, he was number one this morning. That's crazy. Number <laughs> one. He was slightly ahead of Mark Melanson, even though he has more saves because of the strikeout totals. It's just it's just silly. And and yeah. his and he's got the minuscule whip. So it's like yeah. I don't know it can last, but it's like a rodeo. You're gonna stay on the bowl until he throws you off. <laughs> and and in a year in a year like this, as crazy as saves have been and crazy as bullpen usage has been, why not have a guy like Cesar Valdez who throws a changeup 82% of the time in a multitude of different ways be your best release pitcher? This is what I'm gonna say. A guy like Cesar Valdez kind of makes baseball fun because it's those guys that wouldn't really, you know, journeyman pitchers or like journeyman anything in any sport don't really, you know, lock down roles, right? Like legit important roles on a team. So to see a guy like Cesar Valdez kind of lock down a role for now is great because it's like, wow, he's really doing like this Houdini thing with this changeup. Um, and, and only baseball can you do something like that. Um, and it, it kind of, hey, this whole, you know, thing about pitch grips and, you know, tunneling and doing all this stuff. Hey, you're seeing the fruition of that kind of come into play with Cesar Valles and being able to do that with one pitch and, and really be effective and, 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 and do work there. So it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. And I think you watch him pitch and you are you think there's nothing special. Nothing looks good. And then you look at all the swings against him and they look worse than – you think his pitching looks it. Nobody is getting good contact on the ball. Um, and, and it's not just like, Oh, I'm a little bit out in front. I mean, the swings look bad. Guys don't look comfortable. They look lost. You know, I think if you, if you have Cesar Valdez on your fantasy team, you're obviously holding on to him because nobody thinks it's real. So you're not going to be able to get a lot for him on the trade market. And you're not cutting him because he's getting saves right now. So you're just holding on to him and seeing how long you can ride the wave. Um, Greg, is Kenny Scott or anybody kind of like a long-term play? Like maybe this is, you know, if Cesar Valdez kind of falls off, let's say hypothetically tomorrow, who would be the guy that you would say that, you know, this is the guy to kind of of come in and take that role? Uh, One guy at the alternate site we're keeping tabs on is Connor Green. Uh, I thought it was going to be a different pitcher, Isaac Madsen, but he did not look very good this spring. Uh, a lot of command trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those two eventually could be a factor, um, but I, I've I've read better things about Green of late, so that would be you know a, a long term AL only stash kind of like right. I'll toss him in, I'll I'll bury him on my bench and, and see if anything comes to fruition in the second half. Um, and we'll have to see how Baltimore handles all this stuff. And it's just interesting, too, because Brandon Hyde has still not named him as closer, even though he's treating him as such. He's never named right. a closer during his tenure in Baltimore. That's like something he's proud of. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, I think he does it now more just to say that he does it. Really playing his cards close to the vest, I guess. Yeah, right? I've given up on Hunter Harvey. And it stinks because he just doesn't have the DNA to stay healthy. And, it, and it's yeah. terrible. I feel bad for the kid, but – uh, he burned me last year. And I learned my lesson. Yeah, I think sadly, I think you're right there. Um, there was a guy, Greg, that you were early on um, in the in the spring. You know, I was reading coffee and closers and was seeing a lot about you talk about the the velo return of Jose Alvarado um, and how good he looked in the spring. Uh, do you think there's any chance 
that he can wrestle a timeshare in that role from Hector Neris, uh, especially now with Archie Bradley on the DL, or is is Alvarado just you know I need some Ks, I need some ratios, and you know I'll throw him on my roster for that. I would treat him like that for now. Um, we do have to pay attention, and it could be nothing, but Neris's velo is a little down this year compared to last year. It's about 1.7 mile per hour off of his average. Um, but he's been doing okay with it, and, and he pitched well today, getting the win on the walk-off uh, mm-hmm. against the Giants. Um, I watched him in there. Uh, he was, you know, it's funny. They said he was going to use the slider, and he used it in the spring, but I, we haven't really seen him much in the regular season. As he's gone back to the, the four-seam splitter mix. Um, it, it's weird. He does better out of division. Like, in division, the teams all know what he's doing, so they know how to handle him. But then when he plays other teams, they, they seem not to. Um, so if he gets a rough patch against a bunch of NL East opponents in a row, we'll keep an eye on it. But but the as much as I love Alvarado, and yes, the, the velocity returns fantastic. Um, Jojo Romero has not looked good, um, and they just don't have another lefty. So if Conforto and and Nimmo and those guys are batting in the eighth inning, it's going to be Alvarado, which kind of pins him as the he he's the only high leverage lefty they have. Mm-hmm. So we would need Philadelphia to either trade for a left-handed reliever. Um, and then that could help him transition to a, a part-time closer share. Um, he does have one save so far, but I, again, as you said, not, I don't want to be too long-winded here, but I would treat him the way you described him right now. And if anything does happen with Neris, then, then you know, you've got him and you're ready to rock. Yeah. And to your point, Neris, uh, according to uh, Baseball Savant, has thrown two sliders so far this year, obviously not including uh, today's uh, outing. Mm-hmm. Sammy, I know you've, you've watched a lot of Hector Neris over the years. Is is he ever somebody you'll you'll fully trust? Are you Is no. he a guy you want his backup? <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's so many, like, the, the opportunities are so – the opportunities for him to, exp- like, implode are just, like, it's just too frequent for me. Like, you know, like it's not so, – especially out of the bullpen where you can do so so much damage uh, in any given night. Like, it's just – it's too scary. Yeah, if you own them, don't watch the games. Right. Yeah, <laughs> turn it off because, you know, obviously he'll do well when you don't watch. Yeah. Um, and and to your point, I think that's that's one of the reasons why right now if I'm, if I'm stashing any reliever on my bench speculating for saves down the line, I do like – having Jose Alvarado because I know I'm going to get the Ks. I know I'm going to get the ratios. And, you know, when Hector Neris goes through a rough patch because he's going to, because he's Hector Neris and he, he does that all the time, mm-hmm. then maybe I steal, you know, four, five, six saves over a couple week period. I bank those. I, you know, and at the end of the year, maybe I'm looking at 10 saves, 12 saves. And yep. that's not nothing in this situation that we find ourselves in. No, as I keep saying, ancillary saves this year have huge value. Anytime you're getting one of those freebies, you're, you're, you're taking them right to the bank. Yeah. And another, uh, another ancillary saves target who was super trendy for a very short period of time um, was, was Corey Kniebel. Damn, you were, you were all in on Corey Kniebel. What about him yeah. made you interested? So, you know, obviously, you know, the, uh, you know, he was the closer in Milwaukee for a little bit, right? Like, and, you know, he lost out and got hurt and then the emergence of Josh Hader. Um but like I saw him, he was pumping 97, which mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay. Like, and he's got that that nasty um, that nasty curveball. Um, and then he got the save, I think, a few weeks ago, 
And I was like, wait, well, you know, and I was reading that Kenley Jansen wasn't looking as good. You know, the velocity was down. And then I was like, well, maybe this could be like a dual timeshare thing here where, hey, they, they rest Kenley. But, hey, and it, in the case of an injury, because we, we know Kenley's uh, injury history, right? Like there could be an opportunity here for saves. But then Kenley found 97 miles an hour somewhere. I don't know. Um, and they're paying him, you know, 15 plus million dollars a year. So I'm like, maybe the opportunities for saves isn't as great. And then David Price gets a save. So I'm like, I have no clue who's doing what when Kenley Jansen is not in the game. So it's like, I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure this out. Um, but I mean, we talked about this, you know, ratio wise, you know, and if he can contribute in other areas like strikeouts and, you know, help keep your ratios down, you know, that would be a place where, you know, he could be effective. But, you know, obviously we're all chasing, you know, who's going to get those ancillary saves most of the time. And I, I don't know if he's going to actually get that. So, you know, that's what interested me and made me blow like uh, 50 bucks in waiver wire one for no reason, for like a week. Great. That's tough. Yeah. So, Greg, I know you mentioned before that, you know, the plan is definitely to rest Kenley at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Dodgers are going to win enough games that there are going to be some saves that go to guys other than Kenley. Mm-hmm. It, are you taking the same tactic that Sammy is, which is like, I have no idea who the hell it's going to be and I can't figure this out? Or, or do you think there is a guy that might get more of those secondary saves than somebody else? Well, I mean, as we've established, Ken, Kenley's 1A and he's he's the guy when when he is healthy and ready to go. Um, but as we, as we already alluded to, they're not going to, they're not going to overwork them and they don't need to. Um, they, they finally have built up a bullpen that's pliable and deep. Um, so they don't have to, they're they're not reliant on Kenley Jansen to get saves uh, on a high volume. So they have Knable. Um, they've even on those games, he got the saves, uh, trying and worked the eighth inning. So trying is pretty much the stopper. He's going into the highest levers things and people are still chasing him thinking he's going to get saves, but they've already shown you it's going to be training and Knable on the days that Jansen's off. And then they, they didn't need either of them because price was looking good the other day. So they let him roll with it and get the save. Um, you know, so they have options and mm-hmm. but they're going to win so many damn games. It doesn't matter. I mean, this is a team that still has Gonsolin on the IL, and all these other teams are desperate looking for a fourth and fifth pitcher, and their their sixth and seventh could probably be on their staff. And and they're going to start using the the IL game, and they're going to give Dustin May 10 days off and put Gonsolin in for two spot starts, and they're going to start churning everybody through. And they, they proved last year they can make it work. So, like, last year was almost a template. Um, so I think there's still some value with Knable, especially if he gets uh, a cheap win. Right. You know, he comes into a tie game and then they take the lead and he 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 walks away with a W. So there, there's no issue in a 15 team league. He has value. Right. The smaller the leagues get, and then the, then it gets a little more a little more dicey. And one of the trendy names in the Dodgers bullpen, you know, since they acquired him a couple of years ago, was was Bruzdar Gratterall. And he, you know, he he was hurt for the start of the year. He threw one. He's made one appearance. It was uh, on Sunday against the Padres. Um, it didn't go particularly well. But again, it was his first outing, um, and he threw twenty pitches. 
is is he somebody anybody should consider or was this a trendy name a while ago and we should just leave him in the past for now here's how I've, i wrote about him early on at the athletic because i was like everyone talks about Bruzdar, but in a holds league i'd rather have victor gonzalez right. and gonzalez yeah. has five holds and Bruzdar throws 99 with a swinging strike percentage under 10. Um, so to me, you know, he just throws a hard, straight, you know, sinker. And when guys get it, they get it. And it's, I think Knable's better than him. I think Trinan's better than him. I think Gonzalez is more consistent than him. So, no, I'm not on the, the, the I think the shine on Bruzdar is worn off. Yeah. Not with everybody, but at least for myself. Well, yeah, I agree. I think it it should. And I agree with you, Sammy. I mean, you know, Canabo looks good. He hasn't thrown this hard since 2018, which is before the surgery. Uh, the curveball the curveball yeah. is super effective. Um, and in the year, in 2018, when he was pumping 96 with that curveball, he didn't have to go to secondary pitches. 2018, he had like a 40% strikeout rate. So I mean, the thing that legit scares me, though, I, I I I watched one outing when he kind of imploded against San Diego, not imploded, but struggled. And he just couldn't locate his curveball. And mm-hmm. like you know, guys that are two pitch pitchers, that that's the concern, right? When one of them isn't working, you know, you basically become one dimensional. And then at this level, guys are gonna you know key in on that fastball, and it doesn't matter how yeah. hard you're throwing. They're gonna they're gonna bang it around if it's in the zone. So you know um, yeah. that's kind of risky run with a two pitch pitcher when one of them isn't going. Good segue because there's a three pitch pitcher that I really like uh, in the Kansas City bullpen, and I don't know, Greg, what you make of the situation, but I think my favorite reliever in that bullpen is is Scott Barlow, um, and I you know he's got the same velocity. I mean, you know everybody thinks of Josh Stallmont as the big velocity guy. Uh, but, you know, Barlow's still there pumping 95, 96 at times. Um, he has a slider and a curve. I, I love the way he mixes those two. He's got real fluid mechanics. Stalmont has the kind of mechanics Sammy hates because his back looks like he's wearing like a corset or a support at all times. And he's super yes, upright. He's uh, and, and, you know, I know, I know Greg Holland is there. Um, I just I watch him pitch and I just think it's it's nothing special he's the least exciting to me of all three of those guys i think he's hittable the breakers don't have as much bite as the stuff that barlow and even stalmont throw um but at least i think globally we think that holland is still the guy is is that the case greg or is this an open job uh, this is an open job. Um, Alec Lewis has written about it on The Athletic. Uh, they grilled uh, Matheny one day in a presser, and he was like, we, we don't have a closer. We just we are matching up game by game, team by team. And um, I got to give a shout out to uh, Aaron and Nate from uh, Bullpen Games because they, they did an interview with Alec Lewis and then off air, he wouldn't talk about it. But um, he said, basically, every time Kansas City goes into a new series, they tell the the relievers this, this, you know, we heard like, you know, the pocket of hitters things from the Mariners. They tell each reliever, this is your group of guys. So when we play this team, that's the group. So, so if Carlos' group of guys come up in the ninth inning, then he'll get a save. If his group of guys come up in the seventh inning, he pitches the seventh inning. Um, yeah. And this is what their plan is. And so we just have to adjust to it. If you, if you, roster any of these guys you're you're looking at if i if i have barlow then i'm hoping to get 10 saves you don't roster i'm thinking you're getting 25 and yeah. that's just 
So if he's your third closer in a 12 team league, you might be okay. Um, you just have to, you just have to heat what's going on in case someone that gets a better or a higher shave, save share, uh, mm. the picture and you can make a, you can make a switch that that's how I see the situation. And, and they've made no bones about it. Cause I think they've already got five relievers with a save. That's such an interesting way to do it, though. You're telling the yeah. releases before the game. These are your group of guys. Wherever they come up, this is when you're coming. Like based that, based I mean, on their pitches and how those guys. Yeah, they're 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 saying this is who you match up best with, so that's who you're going to get. And like the other day, Barlow came in, I think, and he mowed through the order in like eight pitches, so they let him have an extra inning. Because yeah. um, they're like, all right, he's on, so just let him ride. But you know, you, you get a game by game feel, but they have a they have a plan going in each time. So we can say, oh, I think Greg Holland's the closer, but uh, there is no closer. From a baseball standpoint, though, too, like uh, that's not a bad strategy. You know, being able to match oh. those guys up, it's great for your for your real team, right? And that brings us to the the original monologue when I was coming in, where I said it's a divergence of thought. So we've got yeah. some teams that are playing chess and we got other teams that are playing checkers and, and we as fantasy owners have to recognize who's doing what. So we know how to best deploy those pitchers. Would I, would I like Scott Barlow in AL only league? Yes. Would I like him in a 10 team mixed? No. Right. So, and Sammy the reason why I like checkers over chess because checkers in fantasy baseball, saves. <laughs> I know we all want clarity. People always send me stuff on Twitter. They're like, should I have this guy or this guy? And I, Closers right now is not a world of absolutes. I can't right. say, yeah, this guy is better than that guy. I can say this guy could end up with more yeah. saves than that guy. But I, you know, people want you to make their roster decisions. So then it's your fault if it's right, wrong. Exactly. So they can come back on Twitter and get at you for, for the. Yeah. If I was in, if I was in the war room in Kansas City, I could tell you, but I'm not. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not privy to those conversations. I do my best. I read everything I can. I just. You know, so, I, yeah. I whiffed in the preseason on P. Fairbanks, and the guy threw me under the bus on the athletic. But it is what it is. I wasn't alone on thinking P. Yeah. Fairbanks could do well this year. Where'd no, you I got listen on that train to Eric. You were on no, the I, train too, right? I, I, it's the reverse. I drafted Diego Castillo in our league, and then two picks later, a guy in our league very loudly and vocally said, "I'd like to take the closer of the Tampa Bay Rays, Pete Fairbanks." <laughs> And, well, and in the World people, Series, he was right. Right. And people started to mock me for taking Diego Castillo. And now he's the only reliever I feel confident in. Um, but to Greg's point, you know, I just I just pulled up um some of the Royals breakdown from the, the Blue Jays series. Um, and you know, who knows if it's because of the quality of the hitter, or as Greg was mentioning, you know, what the hitters struggle with in terms of pitch mix-wise. But, you know, in that 3-2 game where Greg Holland got the win, it was Josh. It was a seven-inning game because of the doubleheaders. It was Josh Stalmont in the sixth inning facing Vlad Jr., Rowdy Telez, and Lourdes Gurriel. And then it was Greg Holland in the seventh facing Palacios, Alejandro Kirk, and Joe Panic. So there's a very clear difference in offensive talent there. Again, who knows if that's just a series thing, but you know, if you're looking for who's facing the toughest hitters in that in the last series, it was Josh Stoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I like using the uh, win probability stuff on fan graphs, the WPA, which is you know win probability added, uh, the game leverage index, the GMLI. Um, and then in the last part, there's a little SD and MD. SD is a shutdown 
which means a reliever came into a pressure situation and, and got the necessary outs. And then there's meltdown, which would be like the, the Knabel experience you were describing. So um, in, in the Royals bullpen right now, the clear leader is Barlow. He's got six shutdowns versus one meltdown, and there's no one even close to him. I think the closest is four shutdowns after that. So he's, he's done the best in the high leverage situations across the board, but that doesn't mean he's got a path to saves, which is frustrating. But again, we just have to accept it. If you do read my stuff on the athletic, that's what the, the REM does. It takes a lot of those things along with K minus BB and whip and ERA and Sierra. And it, it, we, me and another writer, Matt sells that I work with at fantasy alarm, we came up with this little formula and it's a very good in season, but it doesn't predict like year to year, but in season, it tells you who's doing very well. And it takes all of those things. And we, we weighted it in a manner and we tested it the first years when we made it, we did it with 2019 and it reflected the best relievers that year showed up at the top. So then we knew we were on the right page. So, so REM is an in, an in season barometer. So, like after the week, uh, Sammy was talking about with Knable, he came in first that week on Rem when he got the win and the save in the same week. Right. So it, it'll still tell you who's doing what uh, on that basis. So um, that's nice. why we like using that. Yeah, that's that's a great metric. Sammy, you have a guy that you've been interested in recently in another, like, stop me if you've heard this before, chaotic bullpen that we can't seem to make heads or tails of. The fire of the situation, let's just call it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so tell me why you're interested in Yohan Lopez. Uh, I can't tell you why, because there's no, I don't know what the hell's going on in Arizona. To be Sammy. Honest. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going off of, you know, I don't know. Soria's hurt, right? So who there is supposed to be their closer? Because I can't tell what they're doing there. Um, you know, I'm just a little bit confused as to, you know, They've got JB, how do you say it? Bukakis? Bukaskis. Bukaskis. And it looked like I thought he was supposed to be the guy that, that they were kind of pumping up here. But like, they're going to slow bake him. They're not going to rush him. They're not going to rush him into it, right? So who there is taking this role? Like they have uh, Ginkle and who's, I think Crichton got the. Yeah, got Ginkle the and Crichton worked the eighth and the ninth in the suspended game. And I think, Eric, you were talking about how much you like Ginkle, right? Yeah, like, and it's not because he looks like he's in a batter's crouch when he's on the mound before he pitches either. Um, you, I mean, listen, I think there's interest in in Juan Lopez and the fact that like he's throwing his slider a lot more right. now than he did in the past. It's a relatively good slider. Um, you know, I I just think he's too hittable. Um, you know, I think the slider is good. He doesn't have consistent command of it, and when I watch. When I watch Kevin Ginkle pitch, and I know we joked about this, Sammy, besides the fact that I have the Ace Ventura, Finkel and Einhorn, Finkel and Einhorn, Finkel and Einhorn going in my head over and over again. But when I watch when I watch Kevin Ginkle pitch, I, I think that there's legitimate back end of the game stuff there. The VLO is down a little bit, but he's still coming in just under 95. Um, so he's no slouch there. I think the slider is pretty good. I don't know that he's a long-term answer, but I think that he's better than Soria and Crichton. But, you know, is this, Greg, you mentioned, you know, they're going to slow bake um, JB. Is it Soria's job until they can trade when he comes back? 
Is it Soria's job until they can get some value and, and try to trade him off and then turn it over to J.B. Bukaustis, or is this just a mess? Um, it's a little bit of a mess. Um, Soria is supposed to be back any day now. Uh, he, he's, right. he's thrown a couple of bullpens, so he's he's close to being activated. I assume they'll do it when they get home from this road trip. They don't want to activate him in the crappy weather in Cincinnati, especially coming off of a calf injury. That's the last thing you want to do is – put him in a cold situation like that and have something snap. Right. Um, this is a funny one because Hazen is on team Saria and uh, Lavulo is on team Crichton. Right. Okay. So, you know, when they signed Saria, Hazen's like, Oh, we got our closer. And Lavulo was like, Oh, well we have a camp competition. And it's been like that. They've been in like a little bit of a peeing match over this. Um, so Lavulo is going to get Crichton or when he can, that's why he got to save uh, earlier today. Um, but again, it, you know, we talk about Valdez, at least he's throwing changeups all the time. I mean, Crichton's averaging 90.3 miles per hour with his fastball. So, I mean, he, he does a good job so far of avoiding hard contact, but I, I feel like the regression monster is going to be coming for him. Um, so I'm, I, I'm, I would be trepidatious with him. And um, obviously I've been hyping Bukaskis all spring. So uh, obviously on team JBB, but we'll see what happens. Um, they had him warming up the other day, but that was if the league got beyond three when they were in Washington. Um, so he would have made his debut if they were up by four or more. So then he would have had a, you know, they would have had Crichton there in case he ran into trouble. Uh, but uh, JBB got the the cheap win. He got one out in Cincinnati and before the rain. And now he's, he's one and all. Greg, can you tell me, is Lafulo, uh, uh is he more of the old school kind of, hey, you know, traditional closer guy, or is he is is he the kind of manager that, like, no, he was he was pretty loyal. Like he 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 used Bradley as the closer before the trade, and then he used Crichton down the stretch after the trade. So he he seems to be more of a of a, of a one closer kind of guy. So whoever can rest that role away but it might take another month for us to figure out. And as you guys alluded to, if, if and when Saria does get back, you have to put him in the closer spot, I would think, because you have to build trade value. Even though Saria agreed to go there for less money because he was promised by Hazen a chance to close. Right. So there's so many – it's like a soap opera. Yeah. And, and it's a – we love soap operas. <laughs> so and, I, and I will a, I will watch it from the outside looking in until they give a chance to uh, one of the younger guys. Yeah. And it's a soap opera on a team that doesn't really have the offense to, you know, to compete in a lot of games and isn't really going to get a bunch of saves. No, not um, when they're playing like L.A. and San Diego. No. Right. So that's not a situation that I'm wanting to get involved in. Um, another situation which – maybe is messier than people originally thought um, for a team that while they're struggling, many of us expected to be, um, you know, one of the best teams in the league and, or in the American league. And right now, you know, the twins haven't won many games and Alex Colme just blew another save today. So is this an open competition, Greg? Do you think that there's another option besides Colme or are people just kind of stuck as we're in another gross situation we can't figure out? This one's so confusing because all preseason, Baldelli preached that it was going to be um, a situation like Kansas City, where it was going to be, we're going to use the best guy in the right situation and maximize things. 
And, and then after the first blown save by Colome, I remember a quote with him saying, well, Alex is our guy. And that, that, that threw me, that threw me, that I was taken aback by that. Cause I was like all preseason, it was, we don't have a closer. And then, well, Alex is still our guy. So I was, it, it didn't jive. Um, and, and again, he, he can't pitch tomorrow. I hope they have the day off after all of those pitches he threw in Oakland today. Um, it, you know, the funny thing is I was out on column a last year because I felt like he was going to finally pitch. He always, his ERA is always below his Sierra. And, and this year it's finally the opposite. His ERA is ballooned and Sierra is actually lower. Um, He's, he's just confounding. And I think not having Simmons in the infield, I mean, he lost today on two walks and two errors. Right. I mean, so, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they were hitting balls off the wall and missiles off a column. A it was, you know, two walks, which you shouldn't do. But then an error by the second baseman on an easy ground out. And then Arias fielded a ground ball and airmailed it after he switched from second to third because they took out Josh Donaldson for a pinch runner. So yeah. I think sometimes we as managers, we get too cute. So he outmanaged himself. He took Donaldson, his best defensive third baseman, out of the game. And then they lost the game because he was on the bench for a pinch runner. And yeah. So, I, I, again, I have no shares in that bullpen. I don't want any shares in that bullpen. I know some people like Alcala, but he has a low K rate, uh, even though he's got a filthy slider. Um, I know some people like Duffy, but his velocity this year has been like an EKG. Uh, <laughs> they, they have not used Rogers in a safe situation, which I still don't understand. And Hansel Robles is a roller coaster. So um, somebody else wants to, you know, pin their tail on the saves donkey there. They're welcome to it, but I'm, I'm going to stay away. I hate this game. I okay. I'm gonna just jump in, Greg. Tell you know Jordan Hicks owners that it's gonna be okay. Tell us. Well, thank you for bringing that up because it is. Tell, right? tell me, tell me that Alex Reyes. Did, did you not read my newsletter yesterday? Because if Eric did, he knows exactly where I'm going with this. All right, I, I did. I subscribe to Derek Gould for the exact reason that um, he's the best beat writer for the Cardinals. So the St. Louis Dispatch. So I pay that out of pocket because. You know, I get free dibs at The Athletic and the MLB.com is free. Um, but I, I paid the monthly fee for there because he's worth it. So he wrote an article two days ago about jo- the he called it the Jordan rules. So um, we need Hicks to clear two more hurdles. He has to be able to work in back to back games without any soreness or any issues because, you know, he is coming back from Tommy John surgery and sitting out for a year. Um, so that they were, they were being patient with them. And then the, the other, the, the really intriguing part of that article was, cause I was like, I saw the other day he threw 1.2 innings. And I'm like, why is, why is yeah. Hicks doing these? They, they're forcing Hicks to throw longer because they don't want him to just be relying on his sinker. They want him to mix in his changeup and his other pitches. So they were forcing him to work deeper in the games. So he's using all of his pitches because they want him to be a complete pitcher when he returns to closing, they still want to use Alex Reyes as a hundred inning reliever, which he can't do if he is the closer. So I think we're two weeks away from Jordan Hicks really getting the extended look and run at that role. So, and and he was dropped in one of the NFBC leagues that I'm in. So, I mean, people are getting impatient. So if somebody did drop him and you're looking for saves, this is probably the last weekend to get him for pennies on the dollar. 
nah, brother, I got him on my. I've been waiting and like the well, guy. So I, I have him and Reyes in the in the uh, TGFBI, so I pair them up because that's the guy, the guy that has Reyes has been trying to actively, you know, pawn him off, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. No, that they want yeah. him and Gallegos to be able to do multi-inning outings leading up to him. Okay. Any, know, any, concern I, with, any concern with his stuff at all? Like, do because uh, I knew there was some concern in terms of his velo um, not being at like a hundred or whatever. Like uh, he hit a hundred three the other day, so I, everything's ticking <laughs> back up. The, I think the what we want to see is just more swing and miss because we all right. remember the Louis Guillaume at bat. You know, his yep. first outing in spring with yep. the twenty yep. pitches and. Yep. I was yeah. like, well, why can't he put this guy away? But he yeah. wasn't, and and that goes to exactly what we talked about. He wasn't using his other pitches, and yeah. that's why the coaches are like, we have to force him to use all of his arsenal, and, and that's what he's been working on. So, Makes sense. Um, here's what we want to see. So the yeah. next couple of times we're reading Savant, we want to see that he's using his other pitches, not just mm -hmm. the sinker, and we want to see that he's generating his last outing. He did generate more whiffs, and that's what we want to see. Right. Uh, we, we see the whiffs, and we see him go back to back. You're going to see him get into a save chance uh, uh, soon, sooner rather than later. So, Hicks, people stay strong. Uh, it should go. It should turn for us soon. It might take till May first, but I, I'm a patient guy. That's why. That's why I'm sending you a Christmas card, Greg. <laughs> you are now best friends. I'm sending you a Christmas card. We're going to meet my family. We're just going to be the best. And this is. I, I hope it all works out. I, I've been a Hicks believer, so yeah, you know I, I have a couple of shares, and I'm being patient. So hopefully it'll come to fruition. Yep. You know, I, I read I read that uh, newsletter, Greg, and I went to look in our league, the league that Sammy and I are in. I was like, all right, who can I swindle out of Hicks? And I saw it was Sammy, and I was like, I can't do it to Sammy. It's, he needs it. It's been such a hard year. It's been such a hard year. Dude, it's a 10th round pick. I'm not going to trade him. I know. Um, uh, he, can, he can still get 15 to 20 saves. I mean, everyone everyone's yeah. overreacting. I mean, everyone's fighting for saves. So yeah. it's like if you're last in saves right now, there's still time. Uh, there's going to yeah. be so much more turnover. And if you just stay the course, you're going to get somebody that rage drops, hicks, or – someone else and you're going to scoop them up and you just be patient with them. And then, and then you, then you take it to your advantage and yep. you just yep. keep treading water. I mean, that's all we can do right now with saves. We're going to, we're going to move to our, our final segment uh, where Sammy and I, oh, by the way, let, me, let me just say here, because the two people I've hyped the most in the preseason are the two people you selected. So it's no, okay. No. It's okay. I, I found other people. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, but we'll I was just laughing. I'm like, I was like, oh, Greg, we're, we're just trying yeah. to help you out. Maybe we, we <laughs> take put, to, you're putting we me to the, the test. That's fine. That's fine. We <laughs> take the layups and you get the hard ones though. I actually, I should bring up before we move on to calling pitches because um, you know, I, I am. I do have ESPN open in front of me right now, and I will just say that uh, Amir Garrett just gave up a game-tying three-run homer to oh. Josh Van Meter um, to blow the win for my boy Tyler Malley. He gave up. A, he gave that up to a lefty. He did yeah. give that up to a lefty. Yeah, Amir um, Garrett. People, you better be making other plans. You know, it's fun. What's going to be really funny is if Sean Doodle ends up with more saves this year than Garrett, because people are just going to go. <laughs> And it's I'm looking right now. It was uh, uh he walked Peralta to start the inning, and then he got uh, Escobar to fly out to right field on a three-one count, though. So still was missing location. Then he walked Carson Kelly on four pitches, um, and then he gave up a homer on a slider to Van Meter. 
See, my two issues there is if you can't walk a left-handed leadoff hitter if you're a lefty specialist. I'm yeah. sorry, you can't do that. Yeah. No. And that tells me you don't trust your stuff. So, yeah, yeah. yeah if if yeah, it, it's not going to be well, I guess I guess I have something to write about tomorrow. Things I happen. Right you can come on with us. Things happen. <laughs> Things That's happen. right, Sammy. I love it. Oh, um, so so we're going to call our pitches, and as Greg alluded to, we're talking about relievers who we think one reliever each who we think people aren't talking about now and will be talking about by the end of the year. And because Sammy committed the most gratuitous act of thievery ever and took the guy that Greg's been pumping up for months. I, had, Sammy, I, I, I did not know that. Don't, don't, oh, it's okay. No, I don't care. It's fine. Trust me. No. One is supposed uh, so, to have more than one option. Yeah. So, Sammy, talk to us about who your choice is. I mean, I, I just – I love guys like um, Bukaskis you know, because when I look at the minor tra- minor league track record and I see a K per nine of over 10 plus, you know, that to me tells me, you know, lights out. Uh, and I always look at closers as guys that can, that strike people out. That's, that's what I always look for. Obviously we talked about this before, you know, K's and walks um, and just, just the situation itself is just, it, it, there's like an open situation there for a young kid on a team that's really not going anywhere. Hey, you know, while they have Soria, like you said, they're trying to build value to trade him. Um, there's a situation there that can lead him into that role. And, you know, he's perfectly suited to be that with that kind of, with that kind of arsenal. So to me, that's the, re- I always like looking for the young lights out kind of relievers there that have an opportunity uh, on bad teams that I love those situations. Uh, and my, choice which is another one that was stolen from greg um kind of falls under the same thing camilo i think it's doval doval for the uh, san francisco giants mm-hmm. and i saw him he premiered this weekend against the marlins Dude, and he's he already looks- thrown and he's already thrown two or three times i guess which is um you know unlike bukaskas they put him right into a hole chance i mean seven hitting against the heart of the lineup in, in miami yeah I, and he's, he's throwing 97 yeah. he's throwing 97 out of the pen with a with a wicked slider Um, and he he throws that slider he relies on that slider a lot he's got the velo to back it up you know we all were thinking before the season okay it's not going to be jake mcgee the whole time is it because he's a lefty he throws one pitch at some point that's going to correct itself and everybody was thinking it was going to be reyes maranta but maybe it's not reyes maranta it's probably not reyes maranta and it might be doval by the end of the year um, not that McGee will necessarily lose the job. Maybe he gets dealt. Maybe it becomes a timeshare. But I just think this kid is a is a really dynamic relief pitcher that will be valuable in the late innings. As Greg mentioned, they already started throwing him in the late innings. So, you know, he's definitely a guy that, that I think we'll be talking about by the end of the season. Yeah, and um, I'll do the name drop here because I, I did work with Craig Mish in the past. And when um when when he made his debut in Miami, he sent me a message on Twitter. He's like, "This kid's filthy." Yeah, uh, and that that's all he needed to say. Dude, uh, yeah. And I was like, "I go, Craig. I've been hyping him on the Athletic." He's like, "Well, I knew you'd know about him, but I just wanted to let you know that holy moly." Because yeah. I I used to do some bits on his radio show in New York City, and we would talk closers. Um, so Craig knows my affection for him. Um, but yeah, that I said to my girlfriend, I rewatched it, and I was like, I haven't seen anybody carry himself with the demeanor of like Mariano Rivera in a long time. 
and, and Camillo or my, he's got like, he just has the look. Now he yeah. did give up a home run today to Harper. There was, it was a wind aided home run. He got a blown save today, but he already has two holds. Matt Wisler has not looked great at the beginning of the year. They need a right-handed compliment to Jake McGee. Um, and they're going to run poor Tyler Rogers into the ground. Um, yeah. So I agree with Sammy. If I have a guy in, in high high leverage innings, I want somebody that can get me a swing in the um, swing yeah. and a miss. Yeah. Um, so a kid that can max at 98 with a filthy slider um, that checks all the boxes. So both of your guys um, resonate with me for for obvious reasons. Um, I have a couple of names of people that we're, we're keeping track of, and if we start with the bad team theory. Um, we got to look at Detroit. Um, there's a young arm there that was hitting 100 at the alternate site. His name's Jason Foley. Um, that's somebody on the Tigers. So, again, this is an AL only deep stash. You're not going to run out and sign him tomorrow. And, and it makes me crazy because, like, I can say I love Bukaskis and I can say I love Camilo Duvall. And people are like, oh, do I, should I pick him up tomorrow? It's like, well, I, I'm not going to guarantee saves right now. I'm just saying these are two young, high leverage arms that that could be electric. And that's all we're looking for. We're just looking yeah. for somebody that has the stuff. Um so we like, you know, Bukaskas. We like former starters who transition to the bullpen because now their velocity ticks up, they're yeah. they're 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 built up, and they they can do it. So there was a lot of scouts who thought Bukaskas profiled better as a reliever than as a starter because he couldn't get a consistent third pitch. And those are exactly what we want yeah. uh, out of these guys. You know, Lucas Sims, failed starter, filthy in the bullpen. His stuff plays up in short bursts. So yeah. those are what we're. Um, Another one in Miami is Jordan Holloway. Um, very, very good young arm. Um, at some point, if I mean, I know they've got a great staff and they're they're winning some games, but losing Marte for a month or more um, could affect that lineup. So if they do drift in the standings and Sixto can't come back and some other stuff happens and they decide to sell, uh, Yimmy Garcia is a pending free agent. So they're doing a great job building his value right now, and he's been fantastic. You, you just you see Sammy's face. You just you took away the one good thing he had, Greg. No, no, no. I, I'm saying he's doing great. I, there's nothing wrong. I mean, since he took over without being named closer either, he's been awesome. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, but he is a pending free agent. So if it comes to a point where they need to do something, they will trade him and get more pieces. Not, now, if Sixto is healthy and they decide they're going to bring up a day and go for it, then that helps Yimmy. But if not, then we're, we're keeping tabs on Jordan Holloway. He's another good, young, electric arm um, that can come up and be a contributor in that bullpen. Uh, and, uh, and two wild cards, Ronzi Contreras from the Pirates. Um, he was hitting 98 in spring training. They did use him a couple of times as a reliever. Um, he's another one. Of, he's just like Bukaskas. Two good pitches, live arm, but he hasn't been able to get a third pitch yet. Um, so – there's a point in the season where the Pirates might bring him up after because they're going to trade Richard Rodriguez. It's not a matter of when, not a matter of if, it's when. Yeah. Um, so if he comes up around July, he might get some. I mean, I haven't seen enough out of Crick. I mean, I did like Bednar, but he's looked more human lately. Yeah. Um, Contreras is an arm you want to track there, uh, and then the and then uh, Braylon Marquez. If the Cubs bring him up as a reliever, uh, if they trade Kimbrel, um, mm -hmm. big lefty. 100 miles per hour. He he worked in a couple of release spots last year. Same thing. I don't know if he has the command to be a starter, but he would be uh, a young, uh, a younger, like 
a Roldis Chapman type, just high octane lefty that can hit triple digits. So, so those are some off the radar arms that I think that at the end of the season, you might be like, Hey, that Jewett guy might've hit one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, folks don't go out and go get these guys yet. And then go bash Greg for it. He told you <laughs> to relax, leave the guy alone. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so Because we're best friends now. <laughs> So, That's right. Hicks so Greg, before we go, just tell everybody one more time where they can find your stuff. And also, I, I cannot say enough about the Coffee and Closers newsletter that Greg does. Um, I read it every morning. It's it's awesome. It has so much good information. So where where can people find that? How do they sign up for it? And how do they see your other work? Um, all right. So if you just go to Twitter, it's at G-J-E-W-E-T-T-9. Um, I pin the closer charts daily. Uh, and then, you know, once you get in there, you can see the stuff and then it's uh, coffeeenclosers.substack.com. Um, I, I think in January I had about 38 subscribers and we're up to 638, which just kind of blows my mind since I don't really advertise it. Um, but it's cool. And it's basically, uh, mining the news from Jeff Zimmerman and just focusing on relievers. And I just try and get everything that I can and pop it in there. Uh, and I try and I use some of that same information in my articles on The Athletic, which we'll be posting on Tuesday, starting next week for the rest of the season. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. It's been awesome, awesome meeting you guys and talking closers. As you can tell, I, I can probably do it. You know, I had a couple of scribbled things, but I'm, I'm racking off all those things off the top of my head, which scares me and my girlfriend all at the same time. <laughs> so we, we'll take it. That's okay. We, um, Sammy and I have this running joke that we talk about fantasy all night, all, you know, usually late at night and it scares my wife and she wonders who I'm talking to. So I think, you know, most of us who pull our hair out, you know, doing this thing, um, you know, we, I'm sure we frustrate some people in our life at, at some point, yeah. but um, it's been a pleasure, Greg. Hopefully, you know, maybe we'll we'll check back in with you in a uh, later on middle of the season and see if maybe we're all uh, we've gone fully insane from trying to speculate on saves or we've got a little more clarity. But I, I understand. Yes. Thank you again. Thank you for having me on. This was a great time. Thanks yeah. for your support, man. So Appreciate it, this is uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Catcher's Corner. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything. Download, subscribe. Uh, leave you know rating and review let sammy and i know what, how we're doing who you want to see on how we can better improve and uh we'll check you out next time